You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, dear friends of God, natural theology, that is, what we learn and know about God apart from the Bible, tells us three things about God, that He is big, good, and mad. First, we know that the Lord is big because He is the creator of all things. We know that that everything doesn't come from nothing, that all of this had to have a beginning, and that that beginning is, by very definition, God. We know, then, that He is strong, that He is almighty, that He's powerful, that He stretched out the universe, that He spoke and all things were created. We know at least, we know that from the Bible, but we know at least from natural theology that God is big, the creator of everything, and we know that God is also good. We see that there's an order in the universe. In fact, the very fact that we can see indicates that there's order in all things that God makes. And we're able to see the things outside of us. We're able to interact with the world. The whole world holds together and it holds us together so that we have food and drink and home and we can live and move and have our being. And we see in this ordering of the world, we see that God is good, that He intends for there to be life. So, we know God is big and good. Everybody knows that. And the third thing that we know is that God is mad. And we know this because while we see the goodness of the world in, in, in this ordered nature, we see that we do not fit into that order. That we break that order. That we do things against that order Conscience also testifies to this, that we are sinners, that we then deserve the anger of the one who created and ordered all of this universe. Now, that's what natural theology tells us, and that's basically the, the basis of every religion apart from Christ, apart from the Scriptures. There's a God, and He's big and good and mad. And this doctrine is true. And it's summarized in the Bible when it talks about the hand of God. The hand of God is an indication, first, of His strength, second, of His created order, and third, of His wrath. So, in Isaiah, it says that God stretched out the heavens with His hands. That He he formed the foundation of the earth. We sang Psalm 95 in the Venite in Matins this morning, and it talks about how the Lord crafted the mountains, He carved out the seas, and He holds all of this in the palm of His hand. Reminds me of this hymn that we used to sing when we were kids. He's got the whole world in His hands. Remember that? Did you guys sing that? He's got the whole world in His hands. That's actually wrong, because He doesn't have the whole world in His hands. He has His whole world in one hand. And when the Bible wants to talk about how God makes things, it's hands plural. But when He holds things, it emphasizes the great strength and might of God by just saying it's in His hand. The depths of the sea are in His hand. The oceans and the hills are in His hand. The universe, heaven and earth, and all things sit in the hand of God. It's hard for us to imagine. But this is His strength. And this is His might. In fact, when the Bible wants to talk about how Jesus enters into the full use of His divine majesty, what does it say? It says He sat down at the right hand of God because that means His might, His power, His authority to rule and to govern in the world. And that hand not only holds all things, created all things. It was those hands of God that that dug up the dirt to form Adam and Eve. 
that gave them to each other, that crafted the animals and everything else, that the Lord's hands are creative hands, that they are making things. And then the third thing is that those hands bring about God's anger and wrath. The hands of the Lord are spoken of in the Scripture as the hands that bring justice. That the Lord would, would raise up His hand or He would hold out His arm to execute justice and vengeance on those who had not followed His law and kept His word. So we have the hands of God preached to us in the Scripture, and it is a severe preaching of the law, a preaching of God's might, a preaching of God's strength, a preaching of God's justice, and a preaching of His wrath. But then we hear something else. We hear about our Lord Jesus, who is God in our flesh, and with Him the hands of God start to take a different shape. In fact, I think it's a stunning thing for us to consider that the hands that hung the stars and that shaped the sun at one point couldn't all the way around his stepfather Joseph's thumb. That those hands at one point had a thumb that was sucked on. That the hands of God were there to divide the bread and feed the 5,000. Or that the hands of God were, were placed on a leper to cleanse them. That the hands of God st- stooped down to sp- to pick up mud that was spit on and those hands were rubbed on the eyes of the blind man. Until at last, those hands were bound to the cross and then pinned there with nine-inch nails. It's the hands of God that are crucified. There's an astonishing little text in Acts chapter 20. It's when Paul, he's, kind of, he's headed back to Jerusalem. He'd been in Ephesus for a long time. He kind of went over to Greece and he's going back to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be bound and arrested and, and he wants to visit everyone in Ephesus, but he knows if he goes there, he'll be stuck there too long. So he meets all the pastors down in, in, in uh, Miletus and in Acts chapter 20, he preaches a sermon to them and he says this astonishing thing. He says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, which he purchased with his blood. He speaks in that passage of the blood of God. Now think about that. Because Jesus is God in the flesh, now in Christ, God has blood. And we speak of all of the things of God and of Christ in this way, that not only do we speak of the blood of God, but we speak of the suffering of God. We speak of the of the hands of God. We speak of the death of God in Christ. Because in the incarnation, God Himself is suffering and is dying for you. When we consider His hands now, the hands that have holes in them, we recognize that God is more than big, 
good and mad, we recognize that He is, in fact, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. I normally do this when I go to uh, visit people before they're having surgery. And we'll look at Psalm 95 or Psalm 121, and we'll talk about how the Lord, we are the people of His pasture, and we're the sheep of His hand, how the Lord holds us in His hands, and when we look at those hands, we see the wounds that are there. The hands that hold you are the hands that were pierced. The hands that guard you are the hands that were nailed to the cross. The hands that protect you were the hands that were run through, that bled, so that you might have life and salvation. Now, I think that there is a very very practical and comforting conclusion to be drawn from this. I mean, first of all, when we see the hands of Jesus pierced, nailed to the cross, we see His love and His mercy and His kindness and the salvation that He wants us to have. But then something else happens as well. Because not only do those hands win for us salvation, but now we recognize that all of the things that the Lord hands us in this life also come with those hands that the Lord gives us good things and the Lord gives us trouble, that the Lord gives us blessings and that the Lord gives us sorrow, but they all come from the same hands. As a father, sometimes, the children here can confirm uh, this, yes or no, after the service, but as a father, sometimes I have to give the children things that they don't want, like broccoli or chores, or punishment, or something like this. That comes from my hands. But the children know that even though the thing that's coming to them might not be good, that it comes from a father who loves them dearly and wants the best from them. And that gives them a way to receive even the things that they don't like as a gift. Now, this is how it is for us. We might have a lot of things in this life that we don't like the result of the tests from the doctor, the news that our loved ones have died or that they're suffering. We have sorrow and pain and trouble in body, in mind, in spirit. We might accidentally watch the news and see all the trouble that's going on all around us. We might not like all of these things, but this is the point. All of this comes from the hands that were pierced. All of it. And we know that God, who is behind all of the things in this life, we know that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, that He loves us. Paul says it like this. He says, He who did not spare His only Son, but gave Him up for us all, how shall He not also together with Him give us all things? So behind your life and behind the troubles, and behind the sorrows, and behind the anguish, and behind the mourning, are the hands of God that were pierced and nailed to the cross for you. And these testify to you that you have a God who is more than big, good, and mad. You have a God who is love. A God who is crucified. A God 
who will have you in life eternal. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.